welcome to Fire and Water with Pleasant. I'm a multi-passionate Jew-witchy woman in total coherence with herself, rising Kohenet, that's a Hebrew priestess, and adjunct professor. In these creations, I dive into topics of healing and wholeness, all at the intersection of intuition, intellect, and integration. These creations are within the context of a more liberated, just, and equitable world. Working with elemental healing, nervous system repair, natural rhythms, and regenerative practices, I bridge the past, present, and future, weaving in global wisdom traditions and mystical teachings, translating them for our modern lives. We orient towards physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic, and relational health, exploring death and grief as intentional living practices, ancestral reverence and healing, and we'll dive into rituals and ceremonies and practices for daily life. Let's talk about the great mystery we are living in, the sacred and mundane, the domestic and the divine. Welcome, wise ones, seekers, old souls, modern mystics. Those of us who have a deep reverence for spiritual and divine realms and who also pay bills, maybe raise kids or communities and tend relationships. We are the people who want to heal the earth and her children. Join me in this wild, weird, and wonderful world. And may these creations be of service to your head, heart, hands, and healing. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Fire and Water with Pleasance. And today I have invited beloved teacher, friend, mentor, auntie. You're like an auntie to me, Sand, now, you know, Um, and author. Yeah, thanks. Here to chat about your new book, The Liminal Odyssey. I want to make sure I get the subtitle right. The Alchemical Power of the Spaces in Between. That's right. I want to like uh, just pause with that because even the power of the title and the subtitle and then the absolutely gorgeous cover art um, in itself is like a sacred gift. And so I think oftentimes we like run by or go really fast through even the basics and even the title, the subtitle and the cover speak to who you are. And before we jump in and hear all about the creation of this book and all of your incredible life's work, I wanna thank you because you have been such a gift to my life personally our conversations, your support through online COVID times, which were incredibly difficult and yet so powerful for this gathering time and meeting these incredible souls around the universe. And your home, Sarah, which you'll tell us about, brought us together and in so many ways. And so I really honor and congratulate and thank you for everything that you are and do. Oh, let's just thank you. Yeah, this time has been really nurturing 
in an odd way, you know, I'm so sorry for the suffering and all the displacement and everything that's been going on in the last few years, but it's been very nurturing at the same time. And we have to accept and honor that too. Um, but I have to say that about a year ago, right? Early, early 2021, uh, when we met, yeah, you and I had some conversations on a personal level mm -hmm. and you asked me the right questions <laughs> and that demanded me to be really impeccable with my reply internally. I mean, you weren't asking yeah, me yeah. to respond to anything, but you really got me thinking and you really helped me reframe everything. And I can say that you were an absolute midwife to this book. Yeah. I don't know, Pleasance, that I would have been able to abandon the things that were no longer serving me, which yeah. is what you led me right into. <laughs> You led me into the spaces in between. I didn't mm -hmm. know I was going to write a book about liminal space. I didn't. I I had just learned about that word actually about the time we met. Mm -hmm. I understood it to mean threshold between crisis and action or crisis and choice. Um, but other than that, I was set out to write a totally different story, which happened to be chapter one. Um, Mm -hmm. And all of the stars lined up and you, I think you were the weaver, you were the spider woman pulling it all together um, because of that question. And I came to that realization not that long ago. Um, and you have been such an ally and a goddess and an angel in guiding me. And then can I just shout out to Catherine Skaggs? Yeah. And by the way, authors always have a book within reach. Um, yeah. Catherine Skaggs, I, in, I, I held my breath till I turned blue. <laughs> Till she let me license as part of her image. Yeah. And uh, because of exactly what you said, because it was so important that it articulated in a way that I couldn't, you know, because that's what art does, right? And uh, yeah, so thank you for, you know, allowing me this opportunity. CatherineSkaggs.com. Yeah, her stuff <laughs> is incredible. Okay, tell us the story of your baby. This the birthing of this baby and why it felt important and why now. Yeah, thank you. Or why so, it feels important and why now? You know, you know, the story I set out to tell, which I've been trying to tell for 15 years, mm -hmm. was this wild experience that happened to me in 1982 at the Rose Bowl at a no nukes rally and music festival in 1982. <laughs> that's how old I am. I was 21, so I'm 61 now. <laughs> And in, 90, in 1982, I'm sitting stage left at this, well, I was there for the music, right? Everybody relevant since the 60s, 50s even. And then um, activists and environmentalists and celebrities were all there to talk about nuclear nonproliferation and the environment. And, um, and stitched in between the celebrities and the speakers were fans, everyone relevant, like I said, you know, Joan Baez and, and um, Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Wonder. And I mean, you just name it. If they were, if they, were, they had an album and they were popular, then they were there. <clears throat> and, um, and, and the MC came out early in the day and told, uh, and told the audience that it was going to be a really hot day. And if uh, they just, and they just got a, um, 
uh, a report from the parking lot that someone left their dog in the car and it was going to be a very hot day. And if that was your dog, please go and roll your windows down. And um, then the music started and yet I didn't forget about the dog. So I started chanting, what about the dog? What about the dog? Because I was sure they could hear me and I had to be repetitive because, you know, I wanted to make sure they could hear me. And I was I was irritate an irritant at best to demand an answer. <laughs> that was my call to action. And um, and by the probably noon, the entire stadium was chanting, what about the dog? And about four o'clock, I come back in from the concession area and the chant had started without me. And I realized in that moment, the power of my voice. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no idea what I was doing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was, you know, I was walking in with a beer, listening yeah. to music, you know, and um, my DNA started to rearrange that day. And a, later that evening, the MC came out and said, so you want to know about the dog? The dog is fine. And everybody was throwing trash in the air and <laughs> crazy. I think it, we got a, they got a bigger arouse from the crowd than Stevie Wonder. <laughs> At any rate, so that story I've been, you know, about 30 years later told that story. And it, it was interesting to people. And I was urged to write the book and I just didn't have enough of a book. So mm -hmm. I had to sit down Mm -hmm. and think about what was going on inside of me in that moment now i know that i've always been one to stretch an opportunity mm -hmm. to look for the adventure in any mundane experience to have fun wherever i could go and um and turn things on their side and see what the real meaning is of something and then i remember that word liminal mm -hmm. right and suddenly i had something to write about I had a home for that story. And the more I started writing about that space in between when I heard the call and and the call to and, and then me opening my mouth, what was going on inside of me, I discovered that was a skill that I had cultivated unknowingly called mm -hmm. the art of listening, the mm -hmm. sacred art of listening or reverent listening um, that requires practice mm -hmm. and where that came from. And the more I started writing about it, I started realizing Oh wait, there are more stories. Oh wait, there's more synchronicities right. going on. Right. And then I started cultivating these synchronicities going, okay, who was the link between here and there? And who brought me the lesson? And right. and and I started kind of building this Indra's net, if you would, right? Yeah. Yeah. And realizing it wasn't yeah. even the story that was the fascination. It was the pearls of wisdom, the pools in between the lines that connect the threads often gossamer threats, right? Often so thin that you almost have to really work at it to discover them. But when you do, they get large and in charge and you're like, oh my God, that was an incredible wild mm -hmm. story. And I wrote that story and I just started weaving this, my stories, but then really anchoring them in the skills that brought me to them. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that didn't, they didn't, that wasn't the right thing to say. They didn't bring me to them that, that they made possible right right like actions and the weaving and the yeah and it feels like you could not have done this at any other time exactly right, right? yeah i had to live the life right. Right? Right. right first of all i had to live the life and right. also um and gain and have the lessons and fall flat on my face and have the humiliating right. vulnerable moments right right to really, and that's really important on a liminal odyssey, yeah. is to um, to be vulnerable. 
And when you think about the book, who did you write it for? Was it, you know, sometimes I think in writing, we're really doing it for us to make those connections and it's very healing and um, powerful. And I really believe that's okay. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be for someone else, but I'm curious if you did, or there's a certain type of avatar seeker that it would be great for. Thank you for asking that. Once again, you're always asking the right questions. Um, yes, writing it for yourself is definitely a byproduct. And I suggest everybody write a book. Yeah. And take your time with it. Yeah. Be mindful <laughs> in those moments in between. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when, yeah, uh, I've always been fascinated with my grandmothers and my ancestors that I didn't know, which I didn't know my grandmother. I didn't know any of my ancestors yeah. um, other than my mother. That's as far back as it went. And I've always been fascinated with their story. I want to know what they believed in, what turned them on, what were they, what would they stand up for, what would they fight for, what what were their passions, um, and I don't know that. So I've always wanted to leave that for my children and grandchildren and the next seven generations, and that was going through my mind when I started the Sarah Group too. And I'll t I'll share about that because I think that's that that was another call to action. But but first. Um, Yes, I wrote it for my grandchildren and I had to be an absolute impeccable integrity because I got to leave them the truth, right? But then I realized my readers were my accountability partners, mm -hmm. especially the people who knew me, mm -hmm. you know? And one of the things I talk about is being absolutely authentic and in, 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 in integrity. You have to be, because who are we fooling? And what we're not gonna move into this next era, you know, with baggage i pray well we can't it won't be its greatest potential if we do yeah yeah it's kind of that easy yeah i think it's such an interesting time so you have 12 principles right it's 12. there are 12 although i mean you can go through and count more but collectively i can kind of sum them up in 12. Yeah. And I loved the, at the end to the symbols. Can you talk a little bit about chapter symbols and how you chose oh. those? And I think that's so interesting and kind of different. Talk a little bit about that. After the book was completely built because it was, or, or, you know, after she was formed and <laughs> actually at the interior designer, mm -hmm. um, who basically makes everything pretty. Mm -hmm. um, I woke up at like, four o'clock in the morning with this idea. Now I was going to use one symbol, kind of a watermark over every yep. chapter, the same one. Yep. And it, would, it was going to be either the Reiki symbol mm -hmm. energy or Ma, which is a Japanese symbol mm -hmm. that talks about, that is the space in between. That's what Ma means actually. Mm -hmm. And then it, I thought, no, I should have a chat. I should have a symbol for every chapter. And it's and that's what happened. I started looking up, you know, intergenerational trauma, you know, and um, the mother archetype or the the, yeah. the goddess archetypes um, and and symbols that were representative and a couple that didn't exist, but I found artwork that did. I just think they're so beautiful, like they're their own separate kind of meditations. And that was that's something yeah. that started happening with the writing of this book, including the cover, yeah, including the cover. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to take you where you want to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the other things 
and I feel free to answer this, like, again, however feels most appropriate, but the interfaith. So one of the things I'm obsessed with about you and Sarah, which we have to talk about Sarah, because otherwise people are like, who's Sarah? Um, <laughs> right. Who's Lola? Who's, who are these my other, my oh. other baby? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is the way you approach life and healing and gathering from this interfaith mm -hmm. like bird's eye macro it's so it's what lead like led me to you because i really am am right now only interested in being in in interfaith conversations as much as possible for learning and listening like you said yeah. So talk a little bit about either Sarah and or how the weaving of the interfaith. I mean, it's it's such a part of here because it's such a part of you. You've been in all these interfaith circles. Yeah, um, thank you. So in 2001, mm -hmm. you know, I saw the scene everybody else saw and kind of trying to make sense of it all. I heard gather women. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I, I didn't know that I was spiritually inclined. I was the director of sales and marketing for a home builder. I was busy and wrapped up in my preteens lives, teenager and preteens lives in middle school and um, great soccer and basketball mom. You know, I was that, per I was that person idling in line with all the other moms in my SUV, <laughs> you know, and, um, and all of a sudden my, once again, my DNA rearranged that morning. And I got the call and I opened my front door and I got out of the way. I found the women and I invited them into circle and circle taught us how to be together. Mm -hmm. um, and because I've, I'm, I have an intense desire to know things, everything about everyone. I just mm -hmm. love people. Mm -hmm. I love strangers. I love to be in a crowded subway car, which you, you read about in my, in my mm -hmm. chapter on late being in Lake Lake Shrine for a five day silent retreat, which was insane because I couldn't talk and I wanted to know everything about everyone. Um, <laughs> and then but, in the silence um, you do, you learn, like, I feel like I do learn everything about everyone that's most important in the silence. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's I like learned a lot about myself. Yeah, totally, totally. I want to know where people come from, what turns them on, what activates them, what motivates them, what drives them. Yeah. And at the time, I was really curious about Muslims, mm -hmm. as was the rest of the world. I was curious. Many were fearful. I turned, you know, I transformed that fear, which I never actually landed in fear at all, automatically went to um, curiosity. Because being Jewish, I always wish people would give me that opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, and I grew up in a very, Protestant community. I was one of just a couple of Jewish kids and all the way until probably high school. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was really interested in what motivates people. I always am. And you get to know a lot about a person when you know what they value and you know who they value. And so um, at our very first Sarah meeting where I had 12 women sitting in my living room and there was no model of this anywhere. I knew very little about interfaith. I yeah. couldn't find anything. The internet was archaic at the time, you know, about 20 years ago. Um, and so, you know, I just followed my heart and followed the yes. And I, you know, which was very uncharacteristic for me because as a director of sales and marketing, you're in charge, right? And you're organized and you're in, you know, um, you know, you've got control over everything and you can chart your destiny and that's oh, where you're um, going with data. 
got linear focus. And all of a sudden it went whoop. <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't even, <clears throat> I couldn't even last in that world for a few more months. Yeah. I was speaking a whole new language. Right. I was a fish out of water. That was the last time I had a corporate job. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it kind of, it really rearranged me. And over the years we became the mothers of the community. We showed up with candles or dialogue pan, uh, circles or panel discussions at universities, in social halls, uh, wherever we were invited. We did weekends of community service where we cross-pollinated the community to work on projects that they loved, like cleaning the beach or packing food for the homeless shelter, 100 service projects. And we did that for seven years. And the intention was to give everyone that same experience we had in my living room. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now, you know, over the years we've, we've ebbed and flowed and right now we're kind of in an ebb, you know, yeah. or, which is of course, yeah. you know, you know, such graceful timing that this whole birthing would come from me in a new way. Um, so it's, yeah, it's all in divine time. It sounds like also that the, some of the origins of Sarah as an organization wasn't really about that kind of serving like hierarchy. That's not necessarily that helpful, that it was more the sitting with, oh. that it was the sitting in circle, like actually removing the here, we're going to save you or anything, but more like, let's be in that kind of more regenerative space where we're all being reorganized together. Is that right? Yeah. At yeah. totally, it was it was really um, it was really nurturing to yeah. be together in that space. Of course, the latter is a byproduct. We were modeling what that looks like. We were modeling feminine leadership. Um, you know, I I didn't have any models for what feminine leadership looks mm -hmm. like. You know, now there are graphs, now there's descriptions, now there's entire organizations <laughs> built around feminine yep. leadership, right? Our friend Clay Boykin is discovering the new compassionate male archetype. You know, the whole, the feminine energy is emerging and she's here. And, um, but at the time, it, you know, we, we knew nothing of it. We were just living it. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, about five years in, I got invited to Harvard to um, join up a research panel on the women's interfaith movement post 9-11 initiative um, as, as what we were doing. And there was only three of us in total that resembled what Sarah was doing. Yeah. I mean, and when we met each other, we were like triplets. I say unicorns separated at birth, right? Triplet unicorns separated at birth. We were all compelled by 9-11. We were all convening women in circle. We were all operating in feminine principles and we had nobody knew about anybody, <laughs> right? So um, yeah. and. The exploration was, is this the fourth wave of feminism mm -hmm. forming to our higher and deeper value systems? Mm -hmm. And that has been a hard, fast rule at Sarah for us. You know, that's what we're doing. We show up in that way. And when you show up in that way, you can trust. And when you can trust, you can be creative. And when you're creative, you can find new solutions to old problems. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the essence of Sarah, finding new solutions to old problems, asking the right questions, listening carefully, mm -hmm. paying attention to what the body wants, knowing when it's time to go dark, knowing when it's time to get loud and ruckus. Yeah. And we get loud and ruckus. Sarah's 19, no, 20. 
This It'll be 20 this September, September, right. August, August, really. Yeah. What is your favorite um, chapter or principle or takeaway from the book? Oh, my favorite child. Um, it emerged when I was writing chapter 12. Okay. And I, I didn't really, I, I, as a matter of fact, the book was going to be called what I named that title. The mm -hmm. working title was Acorn Rain in Birkenau. Mm hmm Mm -hmm. because of an experience I had in Auschwitz mm -hmm. and I was part of the one humanity uh, Institute team, mm -hmm. which is still an organization and they're doing incredible work right now on the border of Poland, handing out teddy bears to children actually. Yeah. <clears throat> but what the one humanity Institute's initiative was, was to take over some buildings that were once occupied by Nazi um, military, which are, if you've ever been to Auschwitz, it's not the, the death, the camp, or the, they call it a museum it's on one side of the parking lot and these buildings are on the other. So literally right at the epicenter of, of where this happened. Um, and across the way, about a mile or so away is Birkenau. So we did, so we were gonna take over those buildings and make it a peace institute. And that's still the plan. So a place for peace education in one of the most difficult places to imagine peace. Mm -hmm or the most important place to imagine peace, right? And, re and reconciliation of some means, whatever that means. And it's a trigger, I understand that. At any rate, we were, um, we, had, we had toured all of, of Auschwitz, of which I, read, I, I, I write about. And then we went down to Birkenau, which was the other death. That's, what the, that's where a lot of the, that's the primary death camp there as well. And we were at the back of the camp and they're standing all by herself with this gorgeous grandmother oak tree. Now my entire experience being in Auschwitz was paying attention to the trees. Mm -hmm. What stories do they hold in their trunks? Mm -hmm. what, what did they witness? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them were young and occasionally I'd see one that must have been about 100 years old or at least 80 years old. And I'd hug the trees when no one was looking. <laughs> and some, many people were looking. It's okay. I wasn't the only one actually listening or yeah. just honoring. But there was this tree that was, you know, my arms couldn't even fit around a fraction of her. Mm -hmm. There was no doubt she had been there this whole time. Mm -hmm. And I broke free from the group and I walked to the end of this otherwise empty park area, grass area. And I wrap my arms around her. First, I ask permission. <laughs> and <laughs> I could almost hear her ex feel her exhale. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I heard what sounded like raindrops. Mm -hmm. And I looked down and I was being rained upon by acorn. And I tucked one in my pocket and the neck, I know. <laughs> and the next day I got up early because I was jet lagged. And I'm standing over this little walking bridge in this quaint little town of Auschwitzen, which is the name of Auschwitz, which is Polish for Auschwitz, or Auschwitz is German for Auschwitzen. I'm standing in this quaint little village on a walking bridge with this little river going underneath me. Beautiful, lush forestry all around me. The water's edge met just lush, beautiful greenery. And I'm wondering, oh, is this where Jews hid? And you know, all these thoughts are going through me. Where am I? And then I realized this is the very river that ashes were disposed of mm -hmm. from the death camp to get rid of the evidence. Mm -hmm. 
And all of a sudden, I saw souls in the trees. And I heard, we choose life, love, we choose love. Mm -hmm. Of course, we choose love. Um, something to affect, and I've got it right here in the book, I should find it. Um, anything else would not serve our memory, mm -hmm. basically. And that changed everything for me. And then I started thinking about that seed and that seed's sacred purpose that was tucked in my pocket, which is, yeah. oh, I thought it was right here on my altar. It's without, <laughs> I, it's right, it's not far, it's not far, it's right over there. Yeah. Or maybe it isn't. Anyway, yeah, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Any rate, um, the, the, you know, what potential we all have inside of us, what that seed can do. And the, and the responsibility of it. Yeah. Now, to live into that responsibility, what I consider the divine assignment, this was actually a term that Jean Shinoda Bolin has mm -hmm. mastered. And, and another, another call to action that she sent me on asking that question, what is your divine assignment? And what is, why aren't you fulfilling it? Um, is, um, is what happens when you take for example, these 12 skills, and you put them in a Petri dish, collectively, they, they create a coherence. And for the, your scientific mind, coherence means that the collective energy of it is more efficient and more effective and is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's what I discovered about writing this book. So besides telling some stories, besides, you know, really driving home some really powerful skills, from a different lens than you may have heard them before. Collectively, they create a multi-sensory perception that is magical and, and it should be practiced together. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna write a preachy book. I don't like to read preachy books. I don't think there's one medicine for everybody. I don't think this is gonna solve everyone's problems. Yeah. But what happens when you take the skills you learned and add them to that petri dish what about the skills like ayurveda or or what happens when you hold a crystal and meditate with the crystal you know what are those skills and those tools and those things you pull up when you need them most put them in that petri dish they work <laughs> it works there's room for them in that constellation yeah. that yeah. is and and i'll say there's um two bonding agents in that petri dish one is timefulness mm -hmm. taking the time mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean just taking your time that means really applying all your skills into that time and then really asking questions and not getting up or, or stepping out until you have just have you you've listened yourself into some discovery and disclosure so something surprises you it's so much fun. It's so joyful when you you like, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I grabbed my head and said, ah, oh, while I was writing this book. It's like, ah, oh. and, and that, to your first question, mm -hmm. that is who I was writing it for, the one who grabs their head. Mm -hmm. Because of their own discovery, not, nothing that, you know, my experience. Right. Yeah. What are you going to go discover? What's the other one? Oh, I uh, at the trust frequency. Hmm. Thank you for asking. I, I, the trust frequency, mm -hmm. so important. We live in a loving, conscious universe. Love is all there is. 
And when you, and when you remember that, even in the most big T trauma times, mm -hmm. and shout out to Connie Baxter Marlowe and Andrew Cameron Bailey for writing the book, The Trust Frequency, also right within, right beyond my reach. Um, such a treasure, such an important book. Yeah, I have that whole page like highlighted with like question marks and exclamation points and clarity, you know, yeah. like, yes. I think that's one of the things I most appreciate about you and really respect is the ability to listen and take in information from a bunch of different resources and then being able to kind of pull and weave that thread and really at the same time uplifting others um, and sharing others work. So that's really one of your real divine gifts that I, I, I appreciate as someone who like, likes to do that as well and not try to claim anything's mine that we're regenerating kind of wisdom and information and that it's like, oh, here's something great and here's something great. And I love that about the book is that it's clearly your story and all of the incredible people that you've been with and opportunities that you've had and life that you've had all is there too. And so it's this real shared experience. So thank well, you for that. Well, thank you. And the reason you can say that is because it exists in you because yeah. you operate in integrity and your authentic self that only you can bring. And you inspire so many. And like I said, including me, right into writing this book. Yeah. So thank you. I mean, anything else would just be BS. Yeah. And we don't have time for that. We yeah. don't know where we're going, but we know we're on our way, right? We're, yeah. we're moving into a new paradigm. Yeah. And it, it's, it's yeah. not, and, and with all love and deep bows and respect to who I call my frequency editor of this book, uh, Connie Baxter Marlowe, she took my book and actually made sure that it was really in the highest of frequency. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, where they speak about, you know, humanity is an upward spiral. Yeah. I think we are in such a growth spurt right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. not even spiraling because what's happening in a spiral, we keep coming around. Right. And what is it that drags us back around? Perhaps it's patriarchy. Perhaps it's those things that no longer service that we can't just shake. And what Teresa Firestone and, and yeah. Rabbi yeah. Dr. Teresa Firestone and all the all the beginning names, all the all the all the yeah, <laughs> intergenerational trauma. Yeah. You know, and all that doesn't it's gotta fall off because where we're going needs us to be absolutely yeah. spick and span, clean and clear. Yeah. Ready to go. Well, now yeah. I'm just saying you're the people that the, the women X that I've, that I've been in presence with you gathering when you brought Starhawk and Dr. Rabbi Tirza, you know, everyone together for this liberation Passover, these kind of like interfaith event, global events, visionaries, right. so two questions to close with. You can pick which one you want to answer first. One is you shared that you'd had this corporate job and you were raising your kids and had sort of like a mainstream life-ish. Um, blessed, blessed, privileged life. Absolutely. So let's say there's lots of women in that situation right now. And they're like, that sounds great, Sandy. There's no way I can add one more thing. Like what, what should they do with this? Like they, if they don't have time for trust or time to sit and meditate and listen to, you know, and stay there until they get a revelation. Like, yeah. what would you say to your, that version of yourself? What would you say to us who are in that, you know, 
grind or hustle time of life? And what wisdom do you have? And then the second question is, where are we going? What's your vision? What, what are you hoping for? You spend so much time with visionary thinkers and I learned so much from you on that. So I want to hear like, where are we going? What do we need to get there? And what do you dream of? I can act, actually answer both in the second part is going to be just one sentence. Yeah. First of all, there's no easy answer, right? You're wrapped up. You're doing your, your mother archetypal work right now. Honor that. That's okay. Yet there's one thing the Dalai Lama said, says, or is quoted as saying, if, if you don't have time to meditate for, I think he says, if you don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes, meditate for an hour. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. There's, and yeah. then something my, one of my very dear friends, um, Reverend Dr. Peggy Price said, is there's always enough time to accomplish everything in a graceful, timeful manner. Um, so it's just how we use our time. You know, I get it. I get it. I was there, but perhaps your time will come, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just take that burden off of anyone who's feeling, I've got to go do this. It's like, well, I'm behind that comes up a lot. Or I'm behind or I'm in, I'm not enough. Oh my yeah. God. Stop yeah. right now, sister. Yeah. Right. So yeah. do your mother's stuff. Your children need you. Your world needs you right now doing that stuff. Yet, if it helps, one minute check-ins, one minute, how am I feeling in my body? Am I breathing? Pay attention to your body. What's going on? Oh my gosh, my heart's beating. I'm going to take one minute. You know what happens when I take a minute? I find 10 more. Right. right. Miraculously, right? It's kind of, okay, the other answer is, I don't know where we're going. All I know is I don't want to poison the water hole when I get there. And I know it's good. It's time. I mean, physicists and futurists and visionaries and those of which I know personally, and I've actually mentioned in the book, mm -hmm. um, you know, say we're, we're moving on, you know, we're in this, we're, we're in a 26,000 year spot, uh, cycle. So who are we to mess with time and history? It's just going to happen. It's just our nature. We're not stuck here. But we contribute. There's no more, no more waiting for a savior. Sorry, sorry if that offends anyone. There's no more waiting. We are the ones we are waiting for. As as corny as that sounds, and we all have to show up with what we got, our divine assignment, and be impeccably clean. The writing project that I'm starting is called We Are the Moms We've Been Waiting For, because I think it's also in mothering, like mothering has got to transform and it, it has, like I am, I'm mothering yeah. so different than other middle-aged women of the past in terms of the martyr and the not enough and not taking time for myself, all that business. I'm like, no, yeah. there's a lot of us not doing that. Like we are the moms we've been waiting for because we're the ones nourishing and nurturing the next generations. We're the ones tending the land and tending the hearts. And like, I'm, it's like a honoring and a manifesto for the moms who are using crystals and tarot and the moon cycles. And when they bleed resting, like right. not hiding or pretending or pushing through. So like, it's so fun to layer again, like all what you just said, we're the ones, you know, that, that saying that goes around and be like, oh yeah, we're the moms, we're the dads. Like, I hope lots of people, you know, kind of hone in on their identities and really take it and say like, yeah, we're putting this like in the ground and honoring the ground as we're in this transformative time. Beautiful. I, 
I heard this thing yesterday around that was talking about spiritual ecology and she said, I wish I could remember who it was because I was on a long drive. So I listened to a bunch of things. So I can't remember, but she said, my vision for the future is unknown. Just like what you said. That's what it reminded me. She said, but right now I am loving all the weather. I'm going to trust the weather. I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not feeding into that paradigm. I am going to stand in the rain and watch and watch the fire. And, you know, she just went into all of the elements and transformed. She said, you know why? Because I trust mother earth. I trust she is tending to what she needs. She is, um, you know, burning through what she needs to. She's wiping out what she needs to. This is so much bigger than our individual lives. And instead of being in fear about what's to come, I'm owning and honoring watching this transformative process. And then she went into this blessing that was just like, you know, dear mother earth, dear mama, give me the rain, give me the fire. I'm here with you. I bow to you and your greatness. And I just was like, what? Now, now, Replace Mother Earth with you. Yes. Yeah. Oh. It's the same. Yeah. Honor Earth, yes. reverence for Earth. But remember, we are. Nature. Nature. Like, that's Ayurveda that's 101. Nature. That's why I love Ayurveda. Right, I'm like, we're not right. separate. We're, no. And that's it. Honor us. That's, what's my point? Right. Honor who you are. What archetype? And you know, you can be yeah. a maiden mother crone all at the same time. 100. I live in that space <laughs> a lot. You know, Wait. I try. By the yeah. way, I, I'm not yet. I'm not. I'm a. I'm a, I'm still a crone in training, but, uh, but, you know, I can honor my moments of, of cronism of wisdom, um, which is this, yeah. this is stepping into that elderhood. This is the book you passed down here, dear one, read this wisdom. Like, yeah, you can try on those different identities. And if our emotions are, if our physical representation of whether is emotions, right, that, that yeah. is brought up a lot, then we're and so it's like, Again, we don't have to be in these old narratives or old paradigms that are so harmful and really limit. It really it expands. Yeah. And that's what I feel like really like going back to the book and all of the work that you've done. That's what you've been bringing forward. Your legacy around gathering, your legacy around listening, your legacy around um that transformative process that you talked about a few times in your own journey of like, oh, I'm recalibrating again. Oh, I'm being refigured again. Oh, now I'm, I'm learning the power of my voice or the power of the circle. And yeah, it's such a gift. So I'm honoring you, the human, you, the ancestral, you, the maiden, you, the mother, you, the crone, you, you're all of it. You are so divine and so beloved to me. Mm. Thank you so oh. much for your gifts. Oh, presence. thank you so much. Thank Where can so people much. find you and all of your incredible work? You've got so many interesting book talks <laughs> and things coming up, Facebook. Yeah. All, so where can they find all that? And I'm starting Kitchen Table Conversations uh, the, next week with the, right, the authors of The Trust Frequency. And you're yeah. going to be a guest. And we're going to have these conversations at, at my right. kitchen table. Um, the liminalodyssey.com or liminalodyssey.com liminal it's a difficult word to say but say it a few times and yep. it's the new buzzword i'm hearing it everywhere yep. and i'm on amazon 
and you yep. can click through from the website, of course, yep. um, and reach out to me. I want to hear, I want to hear your stories. It's the stories that, you know, we don't pay enough reverence to tell your story, write your story, yep. you know, and share it with me. I want to know. I'm fascinated by other people's stories. And yeah. where, do you, where do you, what's next for you? Like, are you going to still tend Sarah? Are you going to write more books? Like, what do you, do you hear any calls? And it's okay if you're like, I don't know. Oh, I, 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 I my favorite thing to say is I don't know. <laughs> I can't be held accountable. I can't see Sarah dissolving. I know she's just sleeping right now. I mean, we, we Sarah still has our sacred circle yeah. for the soul conversations. Yeah. We're taking last year's work on the 12 critical areas of concern from the Beijing 12 um, um, conference, uh, conference on women, yep. um, addressing 12 issues that we had 12 separate conversations with experts and indigenous grandmothers and elders. We're mm -hmm. taking those conversations now to the experts who we are in our life. Mm -hmm. And so we have the 20th is our next circle conversation. Okay. It's, it's a circle of women as if you're sitting in our living rooms. So that's available to all women. And um, yeah, there's definitely another book. I love writing. I never realized I'm a much better writer than I am a talker. And so I love to write. The discovery and disclosure yeah. Uh, yeah. Just blows my mind. Yeah. And um, and yeah, as long as I have Catherine Skaggs art, yeah. <laughs> you'll feel inspired to do everything. <laughs> write a book for each of her creations. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I actually had to add a chapter or two because of some stuff I learned from her, but uh, yeah, so mind blowing. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep up all the amazing work. Mm -hmm. I love you. I love you. Thank love you. So you. Much. <laughs>